Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 movie, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from the Superhero Ethics and the Star Wars Universe podcasts. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 73, which begins with Eric's drunken ramblings and ends with Jane and Thor sitting out by the fire. Joining us on the show today, as is every day this week, we have Bubba Wheat from the Flight Tights Movie Nights podcast. Uh, Bubba, uh, I've been hearing a lot about the other movies and stuff you do. Obviously, you have a big Superman love with Flights and Tights. What's kind of your connection to the MCU and to Thor? Through my uh, written reviews, I have reviewed every single Marvel movie ever made, at least up through Shang-Chi. Uh, I, I have a newborn, which has interrupted my theater going. Uh, a little bit, so I haven't been able to to make it to see Venom or Eternals. But and 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 there's a lot more Marvel movies than than people realize. By my count, I believe <laughs> either uh, Spider Man No Way Home or Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness will be the 100th feature length Marvel uh, Marvel related movie. Wow. So you've included Man Thing in your list and yeah, <laughs> all those fun ones. Man, I, I think my favorite one that I, I like to bring up is they, in uh, 1980 and 81, they actually commissioned a couple um, or they licensed a, a couple anime films that were straight to TV movies based on the Tomb of Dracula. And, and one was a Dracula film and then the other one was a Frankenstein film. Wow. And those are, they are a trip. I mean, they're awful, but they are a trip. <laughs> it's so funny because I imagine, like, I'm the sort of person who would just Google, like, show me every Dracula film I can find. Okay, cool. I'll watch this. And then be like, what What in the world is a Marvel logo doing on this? So, like, <laughs> I don't think they even out. put a Marvel logo. I, I think just at the end, they probably have a, you know, mm-hmm. based on the Tomb of Dracula by Marvel. Right. Well, I mean, it's public domain, so have fun with it. Uh, well, well, you get to hear so many more of your thoughts right after this quick break. Doing this podcast is a lot of fun, but it takes time and costs money. What better way to support us this holiday season than by becoming a patron of our show? If you're familiar with Patreon, we use their other platform called Memberful, which basically allows us to integrate their site directly into our site. So if you've been thinking about becoming a patron to show your love for the show, you weren't sure because you couldn't find us on Patreon, just know we are in fact using their platform. Just go to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and you can find out what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month or you can get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Thanks. doesn't think that Thor is actually the god of thunder, but he ought to be, um, which is just a wonderfully ironic statement that we all kind of know. But I, I just kind of love it. We were talking last yesterday about the Stellan is a fun drunk. And to me, this is just the epitome of it because he just <laughs> all the it, it, to me, it's, it's again, it's Thor's charisma. Like all he may still think when he sobers up that Thor and Jane are terrible for each other, but all the animosity is gone. He's just like, I, I want you to have your dreams. And if that's to be the god of thunder. Have fun. And, and it's very, like, it's very friendly bromance, but at the same time, I feel like there's a little bit of a fatherly aspect to it, too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it comes across that way. And I, I, I really love the way that the two of them play this. Like, I feel like Stellan is, you know, he's such a fun drunk as Eric in this moment. And the way that he's kind of like still disregarding, like, I just can't get over this idea that you might be Thor, you know, but, you know, you, you represent everything that I've always thought of as a part of Thor. And so, yeah, you ought to be Thor. But then the way that that Chris Hemsworth plays Thor here, it's like he, he's so friendly and just like charming. And like even in this moment of the two of them, it just looks like over the course of however long they were at the bar drinking, they really developed some connection. And that's yeah, that's what I love about this, because, I mean, you know, we last saw Eric and he was ready to kick Thor out of town. Something happened and it, it, you know, it really doesn't matter that we never get to see it, whether it was a fight, whether it was just hanging out and drinking and finding that connection, whatever it was, there was a connection. And now from here, moving forward through uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, every time that we have Stellan Skarsgård as Eric in the film, he has this connection to Thor. There has been this moment that they had that allows them to be friends. And that's what I think is is powerful about whatever happened off screen. It's, it's something magical that, that brought them together. And I love what you say about how clearly we get that. Because I think you're right. And it's not stated. It's very understated. Even Jane's reaction, you know, she sort of smiles, but then doesn't want to be caught smiling and looks a little, you know. Uh, in the script, it is so much more on the nose. Uh, the line from the script is, as Selvig drifts off to sleep, Thor pulls a blanket over him. Jane watches, stunned by their friendship, impressed by Thor's tenderness. And I just, I, it's a gr- it's a very good script in a lot of ways, but I feel like, Branagh just turned it down from 100% to 80% in so many places. And this is one more where I feel like if it had gone that far, it would have been over the top. And it would have felt like, instead of just, it's understated, but but we get it. It's interesting because what what ends up happening when you have a script that's at 100 and then Branagh brings it down to 80 in the finished film, it it's back at 100. But in a way that is, I, I find, so much more believable. And that's that's what's really interesting about the uh, the smarts of a director and an editor and just all of these people working on a film of finding those things that are in the script that when it's there, it, it really is just too much. Because if it was in the film, the film would have been at 110 and you don't need that. And that's what I think is is just uh, it, there's smart filmmaking happening here. I mean, I know nothing about the Hollywood writing process, but I imagine that the the tension between writer, filmmaker, cinematographer, director of, you know, the writer thinking they've got to like, well, I need my words to say everything. And the cinematographer being like, eh, dude, hold on, I, I, I can tell some of the story for you, too. You know, like that there's a lot of that going on here. Yeah, certainly. What, what do you think is happening with Jane? Like what's going through her head as she's watching this? Because she look, she had a half smiles and then she has a concerned look like what what's going on with her? I, I think she's just uh, trying to figure it out, and and I I feel like she's also the it's the beginning of this being flustered by having Thor there, which we get to see a little bit like you know just a little bit later in this minute. So I want to ask a question now that maybe you two uh, as the much better about the details of these things. I, We've taken, we've, we are taking Eric to Jane's trailer. This is where she lives. Eric, like, 
he's sleeping somewhere, right? Doesn't does he? <laughs> is it just that he's too drunk to tell Thor like, well, my hotel room is over there, or I sleep over here? Is it that Thor just wants to go to Jane? Like, what? How did we wind up here instead of wherever Eric normally spends the night? I mean, that's that is a a, a big question, certainly here. I my sense of it, I, I think all of that is probably right. There probably was. A, a drunk Eric who was just too past a point where he could, you know, actually get across where he needed to go as far as what hotel he's in mm-hmm. and like turn left here, turn right there. It's the third floor. My keys in my pocket, like all that sort of stuff. Like he probably just couldn't get through any of that to uh, to kind of explain to Thor. But also, I do think there is this element where uh, Thor you know, I mean, he hasn't seen Jane since he left her at the at the crater base. So I think part of him just wants to make sure she's fine. Um, I mean, Eric has said as much, but he hasn't seen her. So I think he wants to check on her. He knows that she has she's a safe space so he can put Eric there. And I do think that he, there's this draw to her that he can't stop. You know, he really wants to uh, to see her. And regardless of what Eric said about leaving town, I, I feel like we're at this point where, because of the the shaping of the relationship between Eric and Thor, Eric and Thor, I feel like there's a place where Eric or where Thor feels, you know what, maybe I can still connect with her, and I don't have to leave town. And so, I, yeah, I think that there's all those things. And I, I think I see that. And I, I I think that that at this point Thor is still unsure, you know. And I I cert- I've certainly seen situations where people get very drunk and have a great time with people they hate and still hate them in the morning. Um, and I you know because when Thor is like he he's happy to have this time with Jane, but yeah, I I get the sense that he's sort of like at this point Jane might kind of invite. I should be leaving. If Jane invites me to stay, I'm going to stay. And I hope she does, but I don't really know where I fit now. And and so there's this kind of awkwardness between the two of them. And he has that great line about, are these your chambers, which is just one more wonderful, like, fish out of water moment. Um, but I definitely get, like, they just, I think you put in the notes that they look like they've flirted and gone too far. And now they're both nervous about it. You know, they definitely, they. I think they're both just, like, not sure where they're supposed to be going right now. Uh, yeah. And I think that you see that because Thor, he puts Eric down. Both of them are like fumbling like what do we do next and thor looks like he's actually going to start leaving like he goes to the door but then you've got this moment where we're looking up at him through the door and we see him kind of pause that brief moment of indecision on it kind of plays across his face and he decides to turn back and, and it's like he doesn't even know what to do and he just it's it's like you know um uh just one of those lines that you throw out that is completely you're just like Nice weather today, huh? Like right. when he's like, are these your chambers? It's just like, I got to say something because otherwise I have to walk out the door and I don't want to do that. And it's that great yeah. rom-com thing where he's just throwing something out, you know? And it's nice weather today while there's a pouring down storm. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like right. trying to be polite in this just wreck of a trailer that she's living in. And and I love how how he's framed in that doorway. And and I talked a little bit about this in the last minute, just how he doesn't fit in this box. Like in as he's framed, you see that his head actually goes like the the door frame cuts him off, like you know around his jawline, give or take. And so he's inside this too small RV, even though like the. The ceiling, like he's not ducking down. It, it's not that extreme, but because he's framed in this doorway that's smaller than the rest of the RV, 
he is boxed in to this. He's like, it, I almost feel like it's kind of showing how he's like in a way how he's trapped in Midgard mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't fit. And just like his flannel makes him be <laughs> this out of place. He's just as out of place inside this tiny RV. We keep comparing the script and how it was put together. I mean, the script went even farther because it says Thor moves through the small trailer carrying Selvig like a bear lugging another bear, smashing into things along the way until he finally sets Selvig down on Jane's bed. I know that would have taken place a little earlier, but still, it's that sense of like that raising Arizona, You're, you know, this this you know prefab house is too small for a fight or the, the trailer fighting Kill Bill. These, these spaces, where you know all these things it, it it creates this comical effect and i think that i mean i think you're exactly right that we don't necessarily need to have him bumping into everything just by framing him in the door that way where <laughs> as you're looking through the whole top of his uh, head is chopped off and you just see his jaw down like that says all of that we don't need to have that kind of like that those comedic beats in there it's it's not the right tone for this moment that we're creating here yeah and i think it's as we'll see in uh, later in this minute it is in such stark contrast to when they're up on the roof and it's just them the roof the building the background and and then the whole starry night, you know, it's the exact opposite. Um, I, I then want to shift into what we start to get in. She says it's more of a temporary living situation. And then she goes into flustered mode. Um, and Andy, you put that she notices the breakfast mess. I think you're being very charitable. I think she's eating Goldine Crunch three meals a day. Yeah, when people right. aren't taking her to that diner. <laughs> but I, I noticed this because and I'm mostly going to talk about this in the next minute. But this scene especially is where, like... The rom-com trope is just 100% what we're getting, you know? Uh, by the time this releases, it'll be in January, except for our uh, members. But we're recording this in December. It, we're recording this in, in mid-November, when a lot of people I know are already deep into their watch-every-Hallmark-cheesy Christmas rom-com they can. And, like, this moment here of our heroine is flustered in the presence of Mr. Beautiful, but he's just being, like kind and trying to reassure her while she's just bouncing around hilariously like i've seen this scene a hundred times and i just i I feel like it is very intentional of kenneth branagh being like we're doing action we're doing mystical we're doing sci-fi but by the way this is rom-com right now and we can carry that all the way through the next minute yeah i personally i love it i i think natalie portman handles it well and i just love love her flusteredness and and i'm not a huge fan of of romantic comedies but you know a little bit of romantic comedy goes a long way and Mm -hmm. i I feel like at at least for me this is just the right amount and and she is so adorable and a lot of people i I feel like i've heard a lot of people deride the chemistry uh, across the the two Thor movies between Portman and and Hemsworth as not being the best, and I I get that a little bit. I I feel like especially in this movie it's a bit more one sided. I think the chemistry from Natalie Portman's side is excellent. I I think she plays the the woman that is developing a crush on this guy perfectly. Just mm-hmm. the the looks that she has, her flusteredness. Everything that she does really conveys that she's really taken by this guy and her appreciation and attraction to him is growing as as the film goes on. 
and I think that the the issue is because Hemsworth is so busy being Thor because Thor is so much of a character that him being Thor doesn't leave room for him to be Thor developing this romantic feeling. I I mean, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Although for me, I guess I end up, uh, maybe it's just because I've been watching this minute by minute, but I'm finding a lot more of him, like I'm buying into it more uh, on this viewing, uh, mm-hmm. like just the way that he kind of approaches their conversations and the things that he says that clearly shows he really pays attention, even when it looks like he's not paying attention. Like he's really actively yeah. always listening, always present, and always uh, like, you know, drawn to her. Like there's there's something about her that he is really kind of drawn to from the moment they're both lying, you know, staring at each other out in the the Bifrost, uh, you know, the the all the the dust cloud from the Bifrost. I feel like there is something there. And and she certainly carries it more. But I, I feel yeah. like as I've been watching the film, I am finding more kind of coming from him and i do think that it it plays uh and i find especially as the 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 franchise grows and we see him pining for her in later films like i i find myself really buying into this this meet cute this yeah. romance that happens in 24 hours i mean which happens often in, in rom-coms <laughs> uh, you know you get this thing and i just i find myself really buying into it and and so i i feel that they actually do pull it off in an interesting way, yeah. especially, and I was thinking about it, is this the first woman that Thor actually has fallen for as opposed to slept with? Um, because I think as a royal, he, I, I don't know, my my hunch is he probably hasn't really been, you know, allowed to date, at, at least my sense, yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't know the details of it, but certainly Sif gives us the feeling of that that Sif does have the kind of relationship you're talking about, where she's pining for him and he's kind of like, oh, you're my favorite gal in a fight. And, yeah. and but, but I want to kind of just go to two things that we just talked about there, about Jane and about Thor, because first of all, I, I am ready to declare my conversion moment. The scales have fallen from my eyes. I, I started this movie having for many years said that I thought that one of the problems with this movie is that, like the Star Wars prequels before it, it took an amazing actress like Natalie Portman and just utterly misused her. I'm ready to say I'm wrong there, because I think <laughs> that the—I I probably, like a lot of other Star Wars fans, just so badly wanted to not just admit that it was just that movie being bad, that, no, Natalie Portman is bad in—no, <laughs> she's great in this. I'm wrong. She's, like, it's just Star Wars that they couldn't get her right in. But, but the other thing is, in terms of what you're saying, Bubba, about him— especially in this minute, coming across as a little more withdrawn. I, I am a little more, more fond of the, the rom-com trope. I, I have, till this point, resisted the siren song of Hallmark. I try to resist till at least Thanksgiving, at that, which point <laughs> I will indulge to my heart's content. Um, and to me, this is one more part of the trope, because one of the things that will often happen is shy, awkward girl is utterly, you know, besotted with this beautiful man who just seems to be nice to everyone. And because he's just nice to everyone, she often doubts, like, is he feeling it back? And so I think in in this minute especially, that's definitely the energy they're getting. But I think that's very intentional because in the next minute, again, very much in the trope, he's going to show how much he's been paying attention to her. Um, So, like, I I definitely hear you, but I do think that, like, that 
I think he's giving a lot back. Um, you may be right that Hemsworth, the actor, isn't. Um, but I, I do think that there's some some of this is just like it's the way the trope is playing out. Well, but do you think that like because the way that you say that, I feel like Thor is actually the one who's kind of like the shy, awkward one here. Like he doesn't know what to say. Like he's like, I've got to leave. I've got to say something. I don't know what to do here. I I have the feels inside and I've never had these feelings for a woman before. Like there's something that feels like he's having a romance as opposed to kind of just a kind of a, a purely sexual relationship or whatever he's had in the past i feel like there is something here but he's never done that and so i think that there is like he doesn't know how to do it and and that's i don't know that's the way that i see it mm. i feel like we don't really see that from him until the next to, to me i still get everything about eric i mean it's only like what is it three hours from whence he tried to pick up the hammer and failed like He's yeah, had a very like busy couple of hours. And I <laughs> I guess to me, I, I think of it as more as he's just like not sure about any of this and he's not quite we, – we know, having seen the whole movie, how he feels. I don't think we're quite seeing that from him yet. But you may also be right. That may be well, exactly what's going on. Maybe I'm just reading too much in that little tiny look that he gives as he's getting ready to leave and he's just like, uh, I, I, I want to stay. I don't want to leave. Like it, there's just this tiny yeah. look on his face before he turns and and says, "Are these your chambers?" And maybe I'm just reading much too much into that. But that's that was just my sense of it. I, I think I think that moment's definitely there. I think we're supposed to. I think we're supposed to see that. I think the point is that Jane doesn't see that. Yeah, and right. so that's why it seems like they don't have chemistry because they're both kind of they're both firing in different directions as they're both wanting to connect with each other. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the the situation that they get into uh, up on the roof. Uh, first of all, fire on the roof. Uh, we've had some <laughs> questions about workplace standards. Uh, not really know if that's in their lease contract with the uh, auto place here. Part of me wonders, like maybe the Smith Motors people are okay if this building burns down and they just take the insurance money. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's obviously you know they're they're just renting it to whoever comes along at this point. And she at this point just kind of goes into a little monologue as he's just like staring at her indulgently and like I, I think now is when we're really getting he's just besotted with her as well. Uh, Andy, I think you had some thoughts on kind of what what she has to say here. Well, yeah, it's I mean again playing into Natalie Portman doing comedy well. She's you know she's like I you know. I, I love coming up here, you know, or I'll come up here when I'm trying to reconcile particle data, which, I mean, that's just such a great science nerd line to throw out. You know, it's just like, what are you? That's, yeah, that's that sounds like a great time. Um, or when Darcy's driving me crazy. I come up here a lot, actually. Like, the way that she throws that last line out there just cracks me up because it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm all up here all the time. Darcy's always driving me crazy. I'm always busy. Like, there's always these things going on, and I do everything up here. The way that she just spins that, I just, I find very funny. And I think it speaks to Natalie's, uh, the fact that she knows how to do comedy. I think she's good at it. I don't, did either of you get any read from that? Yeah, I I think it, that's exactly it. It's the escalation of you know, it, it's a very quick comedic escalation. You know, I I come up here when I do science things or when Dorsey's driving me crazy. Yeah, I I actually do come up here a lot. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's that. I also think it's the you know it's she's nervous and she's babbling, but like some people babble about the weather, she babbles about particle data. You know, because she is that's in, in some ways, I think that's one of the brilliances of her character is that she is this utterly brilliant scientist who will happily drive into incredible danger to chase science, who also gets to be flustered in the presence of a gorgeous person who she has a crush on. Like, and I just love that. And I think I love that we get to see that duality. I think the speech is a great way of, of showing that. Yeah. 
And, and I think the setup just in general also shows a great duality because it is, you know, them being outside in front of a fire, which fits into like the, the Norse, you know, you could see Thor and the Warriors three going out on some quest and sitting, talking by the fire uh, out in the wilderness. But at the same time, it's also, you know, they're on, on the top of a roof with lawn furniture so it shows kind of the the low rent aspect of how Jane is just throwing everything together in order to make it work. I yeah, I think that's a key element that um you know she is scrappy, right? She's always trying to like, you know, whatever whatever it takes and she'll do whatever and I love that about her. I also really love the fact that they use the roof in these ways. It's an interesting location in the first place to just put the characters on the roof especially with that gorgeous, like the neon. I love that Smith Motors neon that we have right behind them. But also just like metaphorically in the film, like putting them on the roof, bringing them closer to the gods. I, I think there's something very clever about that concept. And I love that they're up here. I, I find it uh, just kind of a, a, a nice change. I mean, when you're looking for locations, that's the thing that kind of sparks your interest. It's like, oh, that would be a really interesting little thing to try that. So I, I, I love this, this spot here. Yeah. I also want to say um, early on, Andy, when you and I were discussing uh, this movie and various feelings and opinions about it and, and being excited about it, I mentioned that, you know, in, in many circles, especially in kind of like feminist analysis, um, uh, the, the more humorous side, Thor is often referred to as a himbo which I think was a term you are not yet familiar with. No, yeah, um, right. And it, it, it's a term that it, 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 it on some level, it can just mean like a pretty boy who's dumb, but it's also come to mean like a fundamentally good guy. You know, the guy who he's going to listen to you talk about your problems and not interrupt. He's going to support you without trying to solve. He's not going to make himself the center of it. And Thor uh, Thor and uh, Kronk from Emperor's New Groove are often considered like the, the progenitors of the type. And I think this scene especially Especially because she's babbling and he, he just lets her talk. And he's he's active listening, he's leaning forward, he's clearly engaged, he's not trying to make the conversation about him. To me, this is just a it's it's a small thing. I'll see even more in the next minute, but it's such a defining moment of, you know, think about Donald Blake, the guy who never had time for the relationship. In this moment, it feels like for Thor, he's just lost his hammer, he's lost his world, his kingdom, but the only thing in the world that matters to him is what Jane is saying. And that, that to me is just quintessential, like what, what I understand himbo to mean. Well, that's actually a good point because, I mean, <laughs> Thor was devastated a few hours ago. Like he had lost his home. He had lost his hammer. He had lost his mother, her love. His father is dead. His brother won't let him come home. Like that, he's had so many doors shut on him and he was a broken, broken man. And there is an element of rebuilding that we have right here. And I, and perhaps that is one of the elements that is the reason he brings Eric to uh, to Jane's trailer because Jane is a connection that he could potentially have that could help him on his yeah. journey to rebuild. And so there is this element of of being drawn to that one who can save you in in a, in a time like this when he is hurt. And so we're not seeing any of the hurt in this particular couple of minutes. I, I think he's kind of. Maybe he just quickly shuts the door on those sorts of emotions and, and moves forward. But I like to think that, you know, there is this draw to this person who can help him, you know, kind of move forward through his healing. 
So I think that's about where we can wrap up. Um, there's some great technical stuff here to talk about, though. Um, the way the fire is lighting them both is just this incredibly romantic spot. Uh, the Smith Motors sign has this great neon glow behind them. What, what else do you all notice in terms of like, the way this fire scene is shot? Um, well, just uh, not necessarily how it's shot, but I mean, Patrick Doyle's music, I mean, his, mm, his the yeah. science and magic track kicks in here. And it's just, I mean, it's just, uh, it's the, the Thor's theme is underneath it. It's just so, so stinking romantic. It's just beautiful. Um, and also we're, we're, we've kind of, for the moment, uh, we've, at least at the start of this, we've left the Dutch angles to the side. So, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh- I, I that may just be because some editor was like, Branna, come on, enough. <laughs> I, I think though it could also be that like Thor is finally finding his footing. Yeah. You know, he, he is now starting to become grounded. He is starting to find real connections in a way he never had. So Yeah, that that was something that I I didn't notice the first couple times that I watched Thor, and then as soon as I you know read about it, I noticed it especially at the beginning of this film, uh, whenever I rewatched it last week. And then, but it, for me, like every time I watch this, I notice it at the beginning. I notice it here and there in, in certain parts where it's like just incredibly blatant. And then I forget about it because I just get sucked into the movie every time I watch it. Yeah. Let's see that. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Thank you both as always. Bubba Wheat, um, you were talking to us yesterday about all the reviews you've written and things like that. For you, what is your favorite movie, what is your favorite Marvel movie that you've gotten to review that none of us have heard of? Like, and here I mean like a Marvel movie that's not the MCU, not Spider-Man, not Blade, not Fantastic Four. Like, that's maybe only 30, 40 movies. Clearly, there's a ton more. <laughs> Actually, probably there's a lot more Spider-Man movies out there. But what, what's been your favorite of the ones that are not, like, well-known? well, thought, well, well known? I'm really bad at uh, coming up with that sort of stuff on, on, on my memory. So I've, I've actually got to, you know, pull up a list here, um, <laughs> you know, the— which I I do have a, a letterbox list where oh, I, nice. I have collected all of these Marvel films. I do enjoy um, Marvel had a deal like right I think at the early stages of whenever Iron Man came out, uh, and I, I think even just a little bit before that, where they did a series of I, I always forget if it's seven or nine animated films. And most of them are not quite as good as, like, the DC animated films. Mm-hmm. But I think some of them are pretty pretty good. And I think one that stands out a little bit is um, actually the, the, the one of the Thor movies they did was Tales of Asgard, which it, it basically followed a teenage Thor... And it was him and Loki going after the sword of of uh, Searcher, Searcher. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that is a really fun little movie. The, the only thing that I didn't like about it is Thor's character arc is almost identical to this movie, where he starts mm. out as really brash and arrogant, and then he learns humility over the course of this film. And then... You know, seeing this movie, it's like starting all over again and yeah. going through the same arc again. But but it does it really well. And 
the characters of Teenage Thor and, and Loki are fun, and, and they have more of a brotherly bond where mm. Loki is playing, you know, Thor's younger brother, where they are working together, but you still get to see a bit of Loki mischief uh, nice. in this. And tell us again the name of that movie? Thor Tales of Asgard. Thor Tales of Asgard. Well, cool. Definitely sounds worth checking out. Uh, definitely check out um, uh, Bubba Weiss' review of that on Fights, Tights, and Movie Nights. And to all of our fans, thank you all so much for doing this. Andy, thank you so much for helping to put all this together. And to everybody out there, have a good day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Oh,